Good evening, community. Welcome to this exclusive prohibited episode only available here. As always, we ask you to refrain from sensationalism and exercise discretion while listening. We know many families tune in, but this content is unsuitable for children under 14. We thank Elida Castillejo for trusting us to share her intriguing family legend that represents the stories passed down in many of our own families. I'm Muriel Reyes and you're entering Tales of the Night. I'm from Colombia. I discovered your podcast on Spotify a few months ago and want to share my family's stories. For as long as I can remember, we've been surrounded by supernatural events, yet raised free of fear towards such manifestations. In fact, you could say that part of my family currently works in exorcisms and combating negative energies. The story I want to start with is among the oldest, regarding my great-grandmother's kidnapping. This tale has been recounted in my family for decades, since it occurred, seemingly since forever. My great-grandmother Virginia was born in 1932 in a small mountain village nestled between cattle ranges of Aroca near the Venezuelan border. Their tiny community rested six hours by horse-drawn carriage from the nearest township, so they were quite isolated. At 13 years old, my great-grandma lived with her parents and two younger brothers. Word spread around the village of an animal or prowler stealing chickens, goats, and even clothing and other household objects from local homesteads, so the townsfolk were on high alert. One Saturday morning, Virginia and her mother gathered the laundry and headed down to the riverbank for their weekly wash. Realizing she forgot a tablecloth, Virginia's mom left Virginia streamside to begin scrubbing while she retrieved it from their house some 15 minutes away. But upon her return, she found no sign of the girl. Clothes were scattered around, a clear sign of a violent struggle. Racing back to the village, she sought help and search parties desperately combed the wilderness from sunup to sundown for days without luck. To them, it was as if the jungle itself had swallowed the child whole. But for poor Virginia, her nightmare had only just begun. With exceptional courage, she survived to one day recount her harrowing ordeal. By her account early that morning, she had felt watchful eyes tracking her, a lurking menace beaming down from the tree line, though totally hidden from sight. Minutes after being left alone on the riverbend, a hulking figure burst from the thicket. Well over six feet tall, completely covered in matted russet and brown fur, the furious beast launched at her. Virginia tried fleeing to no avail. The creature effortlessly swept her up like a ragdoll and wrapped its huge hand over her face, rendering her unconscious. Coming to, clutched in its arms, she caught glimpses of heavy vegetation whirring past and realized they had traveled deep into the mountains before blacking out again. She eventually awoke in pitch darkness, unable to make out her whereabouts, only hearing her unanswered screams 
echoing in what she soon surmised was a subterranean cavern. Finally, a loud screech broke the silence, and a blinding shaft filled the space with sunlight as a colossal boulder was dragged out of the way. When her eyes adjusted to the light, she took in the creature once more, a beast more horrifying than anything she had ever laid eyes on. Most frightfully, its feet faced the wrong way. Without making a peep, it tossed a bowl of water and some fruit across the confined space. Over days, then months, this routine continued. Twice daily the rock scraped open, bathing the small cavity in light, signaling her meal delivery. Thus she noted the passage of night and day from within her gloomy prison. Every so often, when the hollow space overfilled with waste, the beast would move her to a new hold. Always the same, dark and cold. The beast never made a sound, creating a deafening silence. One day, Virginia felt a sharp pain in her abdomen and a warmth gush dripped down her legs. At her tender age, she was utterly naive about the menstrual cycle and feared these alien pangs and flow indicated her imminent death. Positioning herself by the barricade, she intended to question her captor about the blood staining her clothes, but the outcome proved far more traumatic. Seeing the state she was in, the beast pulled her into the glaring sunshine for the first time, then tore her soiled garments clear off and inhaled at her nether regions. For the first time, it vocalized, though not roars of rage, almost celebratory howls. The creature enclosed her within a new cavern, much larger than previous ones. Thin shafts of sunlight permeated this one, spotlighting piles of assorted clothing and goods stacked about. While scavenging for replacement rags amongst the offerings, Virginia grimly realized her abductor was the prowler ransacking their village. Virginia quickly dressed herself and created a compress for stopping the blood dripping down her legs. The next day, the beast arrived with her daily meal. But this time, it wasn't the same fruit she was always given. It was fish, chicken, and plantain. He left the boulder ajar and watched her as she ate. The girl devoured the feast, even the raw fish, thinking as soon as she finished, the beast would leave as usual. But something else was coming. This time, the beast tore her clothes off and began abusing her. Days bled into weeks, and the abuse grew ever more frequent and brutal. In time, Virginia noticed her belly rounding, recalling the familiar shape of her own mother's body before her kid brother's birth. Still ignorant of the meaning of a pregnancy, the labor pains eventually bore a shocking arrival, a baby covered in a thin reddish fur. As her offspring rapidly developed, well beyond natural growth expectations, poor Virginia never fully mended from her early injuries, including a badly broken leg which left her unable to walk. All efforts to nurture some verbal communication proved futile with the boy, yet he and the beast appeared to be effortlessly conversing in grunts and snarls all day long. 
Virginia lost track of time, estimating only three or four years had passed even though her gangly child resembled a boy of twelve. One evening, upon returning from their usual outdoor excursions, her son presented Virginia with an unexpected prize. A lady's nightgown. It was at this moment that she realized the beast was granting the boy clandestine access to her town during their regular trips beyond the hideaway. She quickly formed a plan. If she could figure out a way to communicate with her beastly son, he could assist her in escaping this endless misery. Months of tireless effort slowly proved fruitful. In time, the boy successfully shifted aside the heavy slab blocking their exit. Scrambling out into the humid sunlight for the first time in ages, she made a desperate plea for her son to take her to the place where he'd found the clothing. Understanding at last, he gently lifted her across his broad hairy shoulders and headed towards the faint plumes of smoke in the distance. But as they neared her long-lost village, the boy refused to get any closer. Virginia began shouting, and soon, several farmers tending crops nearby answered her call. They cautiously ambled over, laying eyes upon a disheveled, ragged woman cradled protectively by a towering, hairy man-beast. Though initially horrified by his glaring deformities and savage features, the delight in the woman's eyes told them this was an affectionate gesture. One of the farmers took her and raced towards her parents' home as Virginia wept and attempted to explain everything. Virginia warned their reunion should be short-lived, as the vengeful creature would come after her. Arrangements were swiftly made to load her into the village's sole truck. Moments before an inhuman cry pierced the afternoon sky, sending her panic-stricken son bolting back into the forest. In Arauca's regional hospital, they were unable to save what remained of her lower limbs by performing an amputation. It was here that Virginia learned the year was 1952, meaning nearly seven years had passed since her sudden disappearance. Not long after that shocking homecoming, the village was tormented by howls and screams echoing endlessly from the nearby mountains. The anguished cries of the bereft beast and its stolen son pleading for their Virginia. Eventually, Virginia was relocated to the Venezuelan capital where she met and fell in love with Humberto, a kind merchant who did not find her medical limitations and profound emotional scars an obstacle for his affection. Still, three years would go by before she successfully carried another child to term, a daughter this time whom they named Maria Pastora. When little Maria was five, Humberto's job transferred them back towards Arauca, Within months of settling down, Virginia began hearing those dreaded howls ever nearer each night. She pleaded for their immediate departure from the region before calamity struck again. That very weekend, Humberto went to visit a town hours away in order to secure new lodgings for their family. But what awaited upon his arrival back in Aroca was utter horror and pandemonium. Dear Virginia hacked to pieces in their bed no trace of little Maria anywhere. Only after frantically overturning the entire house, 
did he finally perceive the cowering toddler wedged beneath the kitchen cabinets, hands shielding her eyes. Sobbing uncontrollably, she recounted her mother's frantic instructions to hide due to the frightening noises surrounding their home. Peering between the cabinet doors, she witnessed two towering hairy creatures ransacking the house. Humberto bolted outside screaming for help, but that was the last his family or community ever saw of him. His unknown fate still stirs speculation to this day. Did he die by violence? Or take his own life rather than exist without their beloved Virginia? Young Maria entered her uncle's care. In time, she birthed the next generation, giving our lineage its modern matriarch. But more on that courageous woman and her otherworldly destiny another time. I share great-grandmother Virginia Mota's tale in loving memory, a devoted wife and mother, brutally taken before her precious time 